was sick on Palm Sunday, so he stayed home from church with his mother. His father and sister returned from church holding and waving palm branches. This little boy was curious, and so he asked, Why is it and how is it that you have palm branches? His dad answered, You see, when Jesus came into town, everyone waved palm branches to honor him, and so we got palm branches today. The little boy thought, kind of put his hand to his face, and he said, Oh, man! He said, The one Sunday that I miss church is the one Sunday that Jesus shows up. Now, I trust whether we're uh, able to worship together, which is uh, at this point we're not, or whether we're worshiping remotely through Facebook, we trust and pray that Jesus indeed is showing up. We say thank you for joining with us and welcome to Alger Assembly of God. Welcome back to Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is part of our Questions Jesus Asked series. In our study together over the last few weeks, we've seen that Jesus has asked over 300 questions. In fact, the very first recorded words of Jesus that he spoke were in the form of a question. Luke chapter 2 records Joseph and Mary losing Jesus in Jerusalem at the Passover. And Luke 2.46 says this, after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Today's question is from the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. It's found in Matthew chapter 21, and verse 16 gives us today's question. Have you never read the scriptures? Now, there's a, a little bit more of a complete question to that in, in most versions and translations, but this is the question we're going to be examining today on Palm Sunday, and as we do so, we'll be looking at a number of lessons from Palm Sunday. So I, I invite you to, to dig into Matthew chapter 21. You see, the triumphal account here on Palm Sunday, it's found in all four of the Gospels. So jot this down. It's right here in Matthew chapter 21. It's also in Mark chapter 11, Luke chapter 19, and John chapter 12. Now, only Matthew's gospel here that we're about to read mentions both a donkey along with its colt. Simple explanation for that would be that the mother donkey would naturally come along with the colt, and Matthew chose to record those details. Now, this final week in the life of Jesus is massively important from Palm Sunday all the way through Good Friday and certainly to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. These last seven, eight days or so, this final week, shows that a massive amount of space in the Gospels is devoted to it. Matthew gives about one-fourth of his Gospel to this final week, Mark writes about one-third, Luke about a fifth, and John actually writes about half of his entire gospel on this final week. So I invite you to jump into Matthew chapter 21, and let's explore a number of lessons from Palm Sunday. Lesson number one is this. I believe that we must do what Jesus says. Matthew chapter 21, beginning in verse 1, we read this. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage 
on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. Then drop to verse 6. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. So stop right there. Notice there were two disciples that Jesus spoke to and both of them obeyed. Neither one disobeyed. Neither one nudged the other to say, let's do something else. We also notice no names were given here. We don't know exactly which of those two disciples Jesus would in, had instructed. Uh, go ahead and type your comments. Which two disciples do you think it was? But there's nothing that's mentioned. No names. The, the animal's owner's name is not mentioned. And it provides this thought or this question. Are you and I willing to obey Jesus even if no one knows our name? Even if no one really understands who did what, if nobody sees what it is that you and I do when we obey, are we still willing to obey? Are we willing to obey even when many times it's difficult and we don't know or understand all of the details? Now, the details for the disciple, uh, the disciples were these. Go, find, untie, Bring and say. Five simple commands. They were to go. The the exact village wasn't specified. There were several different ones that commentators might think. But find, untie, and bring. It's kind of a, a challenging and unique thing. Jesus says, go find this donkey and the colt and go bring them to me. No doubt the disciples were thinking, thieves for Jesus. Go swipe a donkey, go swipe a colt and bring them to the master. Bring them to the one who enforces the Ten Commandments. It's just an interesting thought or a comment there. But then they were to say, if anybody has a question, here's what you tell them. Here's what you say. It's simple. The Lord needs them. And they'll go ahead and do it. That's it. No other instructions, no other details besides these seemingly simple tasks. Understand, God desires that we would honor and obey Him, and it's helpful, not just for His benefit, it's helpful for you and I. He loves us so much, He wants us to avoid pitfalls, and He wants us to avoid disappointments and discouragements. Our obedience to Him is a great benefit not only in our lives today, but for the future. He knows what's best and he instructs us, we then are to obey. So Jesus asked two of his disciples to go and they went, no questions asked. Somebody wrote this, someone once stated, understanding can wait, but obedience cannot. Obedience in our life is It's evidence of a right relationship with God. It's that first rule of being a disciple or follower of Jesus. We sing songs. We we do a lot of reading things about obedience, but 
Many times we struggle to do it. We struggle to put it into practice. Now, one thought before we move on to our next lesson is this. When the disciples were obedient to Jesus, it seemed like they went even further than Jesus had asked. It says they placed cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. Now, nowhere in there, at least what's recorded in Scripture, there's no specific instruction to do that, but they went above and beyond all that he had asked. And that's challenging. That's interesting because our human nature, our tendency is often to do less than is expected. Many times the people think, how little can I do and still get away with it? How little can I do in my job and still keep my job? How little can we do and still be considered a Christian? How, how little of obedience can I follow in my life? And here, not only did the disciples do every single thing that was asked, they went a step beyond, thought ahead, and put their cloaks on these animals for Jesus to sit on. So understand, Jesus knows what's best. We can trust him and obey. First lesson from Palm Sunday. Here's a second one. I believe we need to remember what God promised. Verses 4 and 5 read like this. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now the first part of Jesus' quote, that was from Isaiah 62.11. And the last part of Jesus' quote here is from Zechariah 9.9. 9. Here's how those scriptures read. In Isaiah 62.11, it says, The Lord has made proclamation to the ends of the earth. Say to daughter Zion, See, your Savior comes. And in Zechariah 9.9, it says, Look, your king is coming to you, righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. And so the specific details of Zechariah, Matthew includes, yes, it's the donkey's colt. Now Zion, we say, well, Zion doesn't quite sound the same as Jerusalem. It's the poetic name for Jerusalem that's often used in Scripture, speaking about that city under the Messiah's rule. So in fact, it's mentioning and referencing Jerusalem. But isn't it strange? I mean, wouldn't you think it a little bit odd that here comes someone who's going to be king, King Jesus, and he rides into town on a donkey, the colt of a donkey. I mean, you would think in, in your picture, you would think even from autumn and Brooklyn's devotional, you would think of a limo in today's day and age. You would think maybe he would come in with a stallion. He would come in with a chariot riding with this massive army behind him. You see, kings rode donkeys during times of peace. Kings rode horses and chariots in times of war. But the people missed the symbolism. They missed the fact he came in on the donkey symbolizing the peace that he was about to provide. Now, they were hoping that they would be rescued in this rebellion, hopefully against Rome, overthrow the government, and lead them to freedom. He was coming as a servant 
The scripture says and foreshadows and mentions in Revelation chapter 20 and, and chapter 19 that he will return coming on a horse later. So Jesus rode on this colt, the young male donkey, not the mother, the donkey. It was rather remarkable for anyone to do this. Now, I freely admit that I'm not uh, the, the animal, I'm not the know everything about animals and barns and upkeep, but I know enough to know that a, a young colt of a donkey who has never had anybody ridden on him would probably not just automatically allow somebody to jump on his back and ride down the city streets of Jerusalem when Jerusalem is packed with people. It just would not make sense in the natural. And yet here is the supernatural. It's Jesus Christ riding on this colt, showing incredible power, showing incredible peace that Jesus Christ brings. One more demonstration that he truly was the Messiah, master of nature. If he could calm this young colt, and, and bring it through the throngs of people calmly, certainly he would bring peace to Israel. But understand this, God never breaks his promises. He's faithful. The prophet Zechariah lived about 500 years before Jesus. 500 years this prophecy had been given that says, here's what's going to happen. Here's the king. Here's the Messiah. And here's how he's going to enter. No doubt people had these prophecies. They had the, the, the writings of the Old Testament scriptures. And, and as, they, as they were reading them, no doubt they understood some of what they meant. But year after year and century after century, many of these had not taken place. And so Probably some of them at some point are wondering, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen for me? When is he going to keep his word? People wondered whether it was going to come true. But here's the good news. You and I can be assured that whatever God promises, he will bring to pass. Remember what it is that he has promised because he's faithful and he will do it. We can stand firm upon God's word and we can remember what he's promised. Dig into God's word every single day and find out what it is that God has promised. Find out what it is that God says about salvation and about healing and about peace and about provision. We can stand firm on God's word. No matter what it is that you are going through, God is faithful. So a second lesson from Palm Sunday, not only that we are to do what Jesus says, but we are to remember what God has promised. There's a third lesson I want to share with you. I believe we need to worship how God deserves. So I'll read a number of scriptures here from Matthew 21. Verse 8 and 9 say this, a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Drop down to verse 12. Jesus entered the temple courts and he drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. 
It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. Verse 15, when the chief priests and teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read the scriptures? From the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise. Now, from this entire text, I believe it's encouraging us with true worship. Worship as God deserves. We're to worship with honor. We're to worship God with reverence. We're to worship God in submission. Let's just briefly look at a handful of the details that we see here. First of all, the cloaks. They, they took their cloaks and, and tossed them onto the ground. It symbolized their respect and submission to his authority. Now, it's a little bit different in, in today's day and age. If, if we were to take our jacket, if we were to take our sweater, if we were to take our, our coat off, and we, we kind of throw it down on the ground in, in our home, uh, maybe there's hardwood or maybe there's tile or linoleum or carpet. And it's not that big a deal just to kind of throw it down. Even if we were to do it outside, we would uh, you know, maybe put it down on the concrete or the asphalt or uh, something like that. It's really not that big of a deal. But Jesus' day, Jesus' time, it's dirt roads everywhere. You're taking your cloak off and placing it down on dirty, dusty roads. And it's not just that you're placing it down and bringing it back up again. You've got crowds of people, throngs of people who are going to be walking across your garments. And in fact, here comes Jesus riding a donkey. And you and I know some of the things that donkeys do out that back end. You know, who knows the kind of stuff that's going to happen on these garments? These are their personal garments. This wasn't one person going and finding garments of that opposing sports team and grabbing those and placing them on the ground. They're placing their own garments. There's honor and reverence and submission to God. They took branches cut branches down and did the same thing. Conquerors and princes were honored this way. It's, it's kind of like a red carpet of sorts. You ever been on a red carpet? Besides the one in maybe, maybe grandma's house, that, that red carpet. Red carpet, it, it kind of symbolizes uh, uh, the movie awards and music awards and all these premieres. They take red carpet and they cover up whatever is on the ground. They cover up the concrete and it's, it's a special honor and reverence uh, for those that are, are walking, a special honor and respect. It's kind of like that done for Jesus. It is worship for him. So they were shouting Hosanna. Hosanna means to save us or to deliver us now. It acknowledged that Jesus had the power, but it was also a petition to say, Jesus, would you come and would you help? Would you save in fact, it echoed the song of the angelic host when Jesus was born. Glory to God in the highest. Remember? They called him son of David. He was identified as of the royal line where he would reign on an eternal throne. So they were worshiping him and honoring him in reverence and in submission. That's how he deserves 
to be treated and worshipped. But as well, they were focusing on him rather than on themselves. They were more concerned about his comfort, more concerned about how he would make his way through the streets than they were about themselves. Taking effort to cut down branches, taking effort to give of your own cloaks and sacrifice underneath the donkey, it was all done for Jesus rather than thinking about self. And in the house of prayer, here, what was taking place, the temple was selling doves for sacrifice and, and then changing out the money from different aspects and different areas of uh, the places where people were coming from. And it was done not to bless the people. It was done for personal enrichment and personal gain. This wasn't about being a blessing to help people in need. Kind of like in, in today's day and culture with the coronavirus. I mean, toilet paper is in hot demand. Hand sanitizer and hand wipes. I mean, you can hardly find that anywhere. I came across an article probably a week or two ago in the New York Times. And it was about uh, these two brothers. I think it might have been in, in Tennessee. And their business basically was to go to dollar stores and discount places and buy up a bunch of items that they thought would be popular, that they thought would be uh, worthwhile, buy as many as they can, and then sell them on Amazon and sell them on, on eBay. And so they, they took this massive truck trailer, they went around to uh, store after store in Tennessee, Kentucky, and others, and, and just massively stocked up. And what were they stocking up on? Hand sanitizer, hand wipes. And now, in the midst of this coronavirus, all these stores are out and people are looking for them. And so he began selling them crazy, crazy markups on Amazon. I mean, something that he might have paid five or ten dollars, he's probably selling up at, you know, 70, 80, 100 dollars. So he's turning this in incredible profit. Well, as many others are doing the same kind of thing, Amazon shuts it down, eBay shuts some of those things down. And so when this article hit, he had over 17,000 bottles of sanitizer and no place to sell them because Amazon and eBay said no. For some reason, he, he says yes to this article. It goes national, it goes viral, and he gets death threats. He, he then donated a bunch of it to local area and churches and, and uh, as well then the attorney general came and took the rest. I mean, it, it was crazy. This was not that. I mean, th this, was, this was purely about their own benefit, much like what this individual was. The question for you and I is, what is our thought when it comes to worshiping God? What is our thought? Do we come to church when we're able to come to a church? Do we come to Sunday, whether it's in our family room, living room, our, our kitchen? And do we come with a heart of worship and focusing on God and who He is? Or are we focused on ourselves and, and what I can get? What's in it for me? The encouragement is to worship how God desires. So Palm Sunday lessons, we've seen we need to do what it is that Jesus says to launch out in obedience. We need to remember what God promised, worship how God desires and deserves. And then finally this morning, I believe we need to answer who Jesus is. The two verses of scripture we've not read yet from Matthew 21 is verse 10 and 11. 
When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answer, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So there's that term, the city was stirred. It's that same word where we get the word seismic. Much like last week when we looked at the furious storm that arose. It was that, that same kind of word that's translated as quake in Matthew 27 and 28. Shaken in Revelation chapter 6. But notice the place. This is Jerusalem. And these people are entirely unaware of who Jesus is. The question is asked, who is this? I mean, who in the world is this coming into town on a donkey? Jesus fulfilled prophecies. Jesus worked miracles. Jesus taught multitudes. And if anyone should know Jesus, it, well, it should have been Jerusalem, right? The holy city, the honored city. This is where the temple was. We saw just a bit earlier in the message from Luke chapter 2. That's where Jesus was as a boy speaking to those at the temple. Now, in spite of all of their cultural and spiritual her uh, heritage, they did not seem to recognize him. Understand that a great spiritual history does not guarantee a healthy spiritual future. They give him his, his title, his name, and his dwelling place. They call him a prophet along with Jesus from Nazareth. The fact is this, you and I must answer this question for ourselves. We've got a decision that we need to make. It's based in the present. It's, it's not based off of the past, but it's also a very personal answer. This question can't be based off what another family member has done. Do you have a godly parent? Awesome. Have a godly grandparent who loved the Lord? Incredible. Praise the Lord. But that doesn't make you a Christian. You must answer for yourself. I must personally answer that question. Who? is Jesus. Is he merely a prophet, as they said, or a good man? Is he Messiah, or is he Savior? So we've got to answer this question, first of all, for ourselves, and then we've got to be able to answer this question from others, as people ask. You go to work, or around your house, or around the community, and certainly right now there's a whole lot less contact with other people. This is social distancing. But in the midst of our relationships, in the midst of our lives, people ought to see something different in you, different in me. If we've answered that question, if we are a Christian, there should be others who are then saying, well, who is this? What is different in your life? And we've got an opportunity to answer the question that other people ask. Are we willing to do what it is that he says? Other people are going to notice. Other people are going to ask questions. Why is it that you choose to serve him? Why is it that on a Sunday, you're, you're sitting down in your living room, your family room, your, your kitchen, you're on your computer, your tablet, or your phone? Why are you spending time with this church service thing? You and I have got opportunities to talk about what Jesus has done in our life. So today... On Palm Sunday, in the midst of everything that's going on, we've got a number of lessons that I believe he would have us to learn and understand. Number one, we must do what Jesus says. Follow him in obedience. Number two, remember what God promised. 
dig into his word, see the promises, every single one he is faithful to bring to pass. Number three, worship how God deserves. We can come in and honor him in reverence and in submission and focus in on him. And finally, we must answer who Jesus is. It's got to be a personal answer. It can't be something based on a parent or based on a grandparent. You and I must personally answer that question.